And we're back here talking about what's going on in the South. John Rawl is my name, and welcome into a Wednesday edition of our Deep Dixie Conversation. we got a lot of stuff to get to today. Glad you could take time to join us. Don't forget, you can always be part of the Y'all Show as we have our text lines open, 615-208-4184. And we have our email address always open as well. M-A-I-L mail at y'all.com. Hope you're doing well. Oh, it's going to be a lovely day for most of you across the Southeast. So let's keep the lovely going with a lovely show. Got headlines coming up here in just a few. We've got stories, unfortunately, about another law enforcement member getting killed in the line of duty, this time in North Arkansas. We'll fill you in on that sad story today as he was gunned down in the line of duty on Tuesday. The unfortunate news is the $842 million Powerball ticket has been sold, and it wasn't sold here in the South. Yikes. It was sold to a state that doesn't need any more luck. They just got a lot of luck their way on Monday in terms of college football. And now a lucky Michigander has $842 million coming their way. We've got that story. Robert F. Kennedy has made the... Ballot. I guess he's made it. He made it in Utah, the first state to grant him his access to the ballot. We'll give you the story there. And is this guy going to be a real force to be reckoned with for both Democrats and Republicans in 2024? Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Good news for him. We also have stories about how a Tesla has plowed through a Mountain Brook home on New Year's Day. That coming to us from the heart of Dixie. We also will tell you about a banished words, words you're not supposed to say in 2024, that uh, story just now coming out. Plus, the states that saw the most U-Haul trucks coming and going, was your state a state that people are either coming or going? We got that information. Plus, the Mississippi Lottery needs pictures of dogs for a new promo. So if you're proud of your pooch, then send it on to Jackson, MS that is and see if they can't use it in a lottery commercial. I wonder what they've got in store there in the Magnolia State. I wonder if that dog of Coach Kiffin is going to show up in a commercial. Something tells me it will, as well as that other pooch down in Starkville that the fans of the Maroon White like. Sorry, Southern Miss, I don't think y'all got a dog. You just got an eagle named Seymour. So we got all those headlines coming to you here on today's Y'all show. We also have coming up here in our opening hour, hashtag Hullabaloo, a look at some social media fun. And I'm going to talk to you about what Tom Cotton was saying about the Civil War. He was weighing in on what Nikki Haley kind of stepped in, the landmine that she stepped on last week. And Senator Tom Cotton, certainly no dummy, and certainly a guy who's served this country well, he's out talking about the war between the states. We'll tell you about that. Plus, with the arrival of New Year's Day on Monday, a lot of you across Dixie had Hoppin' John. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of the history of Hoppin' John. In hour number two today, we're going to let you enjoy a Hoppin' John recipe. And it's a classic Hoppin' John recipe from southernliving.com. That's coming up hour two. We also have some business news in our second hour today. And that comes to us from careerfitter.com, and they've got an article up, 12 careers for the chance to get the best job here in the new year. 
So we've got that coming your way, some Southern business talk. And in our final hour of this Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, we've got not just business news and headline news coming in hour three, but we've got Southern history to tell you about. And today in history, it was the day that Martin Luther was excommunicated by the Catholic Church. So we're going to go way back to the old country, and I'm going to talk about the importance of Martin Luther, the founder of the Protestant Reformation, and we're going to tell you about how the Catholic Church excommunicated him over in Germany on this day in history. Wittenberg, Germany, the city in which Martin Luther posted up his 95 theses on the on the door, a complaint against the Catholic Church. And lo and behold, this German would go on to change the world with the Protestant movement. So today in history, important for Protestants. So we've got that coming. Also on this day in history, we've got some births to tell you about. Happy birthday to one of the coolest, would you call him a character actor? I, I guess you would. But today is Dabney Coleman's birthday, and he's now in his 90s. The VMI alumnus, rah, rah, VMI, Dabney Coleman, you remember him from 9 to 5 and a bunch of other movies. Today's his birthday. We're going to tell you a little bit more about this southern actor. Also, today is the birthday of a couple of sports stars. Elisha Manning, number 10 for the Mississippi Landshark Black Bear Rebels and for the New York Football Giants. Today is Eli Manning's birthday. Today is also, in the world of baseball, A.J. Burnett's birthday. So happy birthday to those sports stars. And we got some other folks with birthdays. We'll tell you more about their background and more all part of our Southern History Spotlight in our final hour. And we've got some fun coming your way. We thought we'd clean up our act in our final hour. We've got our Southern History Spot, or rather Southern Southern History, followed by Southern Humor Spotlight in our last stanza today. And we found a very funny comedian named Andrew Rivers, and he's got something up called Clean Comedy Doesn't Suck. And we we found this clip and we're going to play as we wrap up our show today, give you a couple of good laughs, courtesy of this funny comedian, Andrew Rivers. I wonder if Joan is his mama. Did you see that her apartment is has just been taken off the market? I don't know if because it's been sold or if they're just given up. But the the late comedian had, a, I guess, a Manhattan apartment that was, I think, on the market for over $30 million dollars. I think that number is correct. And surely to goodness, nobody bought it for, for that much money. I mean, it's in Manhattan. You can't even go out and pee on your porch when you got a $30 million apartment in Manhattan. You know, that's 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 the true sign that you don't need something when you pay that much and you can't even relieve yourself in public. That's why we here in the South like our open spaces. We like to be able to go out and do things like I just mentioned on our own accord, okay? Does that make sense? I think so. Thank you for joining us. Let's get into a handful of our headlines before we move on to our first break of the day. And for the second day in a row, sadly, I'm telling you about a member of our Southern law enforcement force that has been killed in the line of duty. This comes to us from Stone County in North Arkansas, where a member of that department, a deputy, was killed in the line of duty Tuesday afternoon. The name of the officer who was killed has not yet been released, but a release from the Arkansas State Police said a deputy with the Stone County Sheriff's Office shot and killed around 4.30 p.m. 
a suspect is in custody. The Stone County Sheriff's Office has asked the ASP, the Arkansas State Police Criminal Investigation Division, to conduct an investigation into the incident. And again, a member of the Stone County Sheriff's Department killed in the line of duty. The release from the ASP, it did state that Stone County Sheriff Brandon Long asked for prayers for the family, friends, and colleagues of the officer who was killed. We'll give you an update on that when we know, but Stone County, Arkansas, Tuesday, a member of that Stone County Sheriff's Department killed in the line of duty. The $842 million Powerball ticket. I hate to tell you, it's been sold. Sold in Michigan. And it's the first time that the game has been won on New Year's Day in its history. Getting lucky to start the new year. The winning numbers drawn 12, 21, 42, 44, 49, and the red Powerball, number one. And this lucky Michigander has won $842 million. Final ticket sales pushed the jackpot beyond its earlier estimate of $810 million. And uh, it was the fifth largest Powerball jackpot and the tenth largest U.S. lottery jackpot ever won. Congratulations to this Yankee. The lucky ticket sold at the Food Castle Convenience Store in Grand Blank Township, which is near Flint, Michigan. Food Castle has been a fixture in the community for 40 years. So how about your Food Castle in Michigan? Lucky place to go get a Powerball ticket. By the way, the chance of winning the Powerball is 1 in 292 million. Are you feeling lucky? Well, are you, punk? (laughs) Robert F. Kennedy, good news for him. He's feeling lucky. The contender for president right now who's running as an independent, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, the former attorney general and presidential candidate of 1968 who was assassinated in Los Angeles, his son now, RFK Jr., running for president, and he has qualified for the presidential ballot in the Beehive State as he has been given access in Utah, the first state to give Robert F. Kennedy Jr. the green light to run for president. Kennedy has met the 1,000 signature requirement needed to get him qualified for Utah's ballot, and he can officially file to run as a presidential candidate in Utah before the March 5th deadline. And that's the first state that he submitted signatures and qualified for ballot access. So look out. The RFK Jr. train is on the track. We'll see how well he does. Sean Hannity. Some news about Mr. Sean Hannity of Fox News Channel. A guy who got his broadcast start in Athens, Alabama. Good old Lime. Was that Lime? No, Athens. Limestone County. Yeah, that's right. I was I was right the first time. Limestone County, Alabama is where he got his start there as a AM radio talk show host and moved on from Athens and Huntsville Market to Atlanta. And now every night you can tune in and see the guy with the perfect haircut uh, broadcasting on the Fox News channel and hear him on his talk show, which actually has more 
people tuning into that than even his Fox News Channel TV show. And we got some great stations like WTJS that carry the Sean Hannity show on its airwaves each and every day. Well, Sean Hannity making news as he has become a true damn Yankee. <laughs> Sean, well, he's a damn Yankee. Actually, he's not a damn Yankee twice. Now that I think about it, I just told you he moved and worked in in the Huntsville market for a while back in the late 90s, same time I was hanging out in North Alabama. Uh, I don't remember tuning in to hear Sean Hannity on the radio. Uh, I was listening to The Possum. That was the name of the radio station out of Athens, Alabama, back in that time period. Is that right? No, yeah, The Possum. Because on the north side of Nashville, you had and still have The Beaver which is a great country radio station coming out of Kentucky. But in North Alabama, you had, at one time, the Possum, and you also had the longtime country station coming out of Huntsville, WDRM. How about that? Haven't heard that station in 20 years. I can recite the call letters. A guy used to be on there named Gerald. I remember that. I doubt he's on there now. I doubt he's with us, but could be. I'm not sure. Hadn't tuned in. But Sean Hannity, the almost damn Yankee twice, meaning that he wasn't a damn Yankee the first time because he moved south, but he went back to his homeland of New York City and has been successful in his broadcast career there at Fox News. But now he is officially going to be a damn Yankee as Sean Hannity has announced his move from New York to the, quote, free state of Florida, the longtime Long Island resident saying he's going to be coming south to Florida following Donald Trump's lead. So there's a lot of advantages to coming to a place like Florida where you don't have a state income tax to a state like Tennessee. And now Sean Hannity officially relocating to Florida. I guess he's going to have his official voting registration set up in the Sunshine State. And is he going to be commuting back and forth to New York? Is he going to set up a Sean Hannity talk show studio in Florida like Rush Limbaugh did? We'll have to see. But, yes, congratulations. In the free state of Florida, and compared to New York, you're absolutely right, Sean. Florida is a much, much smarter and wiser choice. But we can't have everybody on Long Island coming south, can we? Do we need to build that border wall between the North and the South? Do we need to start? That, that's one way we can cancel out our nation's debt is just charge our own people from moving from the North to the South. Because we don't go the other direction now, do we? No, we don't. I'm not looking at property on Long Island to settle down and move to anytime soon. But you might, but I'm not. All right? So congratulations to Sean Hannity coming to Dixie. Might be, might be getting a place on the Dixie Highway, come to think of it. That would be quite fitting. We've got other headlines coming up. How about that lady that made a lot of headlines 10 years ago when she refused to marry the gay couple in Kentucky? Well, she's back in the news. Kim Davis, her name. I'm going to tell you about that story and the other goings-on of the day across the southeast here on the show All About the South. And we've got... Hashtag Hullabaloo coming at you in just a few minutes. Our look at social media activity. And we're going to tell you about what Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas is saying about the war between the states. All that is just around the corner.
way into Kentucky. Indians call that place the dark and bloody ground. They opened up the wilderness with courage and celebrated with an old hometown. I grew up in the shadow of the mountains where the creeks ran clear and the nine-pound hammer swings. My folks taught me to have pride in old Kentucky and it wells inside me every time I sing. Sound of horses' hooves, McCoy and Hatfield Mountain Fuse, and bluegrass music that's Kentucky Thunder. I hear the rumble from the mines, up dark hollows the moon still shines. Sweet Kentucky girls are still the wonder. Good old bluegrass sound coming from Kentucky Thunder, the album that Ricky Skaggs had out on Epic Records around 1990. What a fantastic little tune from Mr. Kentucky himself. we got Kentucky news coming in in just a second, but I, I, I want to hear some of that good bluegrass here to get us going on this Wednesday y'all show, if you don't mind. All right, we're back here on Y'all, the show all about the South, continuing on with some of our news headlines of the day. Into Kentucky we go, and a judge has now said that Kim Davis owes a quarter of a million dollars in attorney's fees, and those costs are on top of the $100,000 she currently owes a gay couple. She owes them in damages, and that comes from a September ruling after a judge awarded damages to the two men that she refused to marry, if you go back in time to 2015, it was Kim Davis who was the woman in Kentucky who refused to marry these two gay men. And now Kim Davis, she's been found to have violated Arnold and Moore's constitutional rights. That's the two, David Arnold and David Moore. She's been found to have violated their constitutional rights when she denied them a marriage license back in 2015. This was a major national story. This was the first challenge to the brand new Supreme Court ruling of 2015 that said that gays could marry. And that's still something that conservatives haven't necessarily challenged, in my opinion. They need, in my opinion, if if the shoe was on the other foot, they would be litigating this nonstop and have we let that ship sail if you're a conservative you you shouldn't but now kim davis who again was the person on the front line she was on the tip of the spear now she has got attorney fees and more and in an order filed this week judge david l bunning has awarded over two hundred and forty six thousand dollars in attorney's fees and she's also got to have to pay over $14,000 in expenses for the attorneys of these two gay men 
Ermold and David Moore in Rowan County, Kentucky. Ashland, to be specific, just downstream from Huntington, West Virginia. And now Kim Davis making headlines again. She was the lady who worked there at the court there in Kentucky, and she refused to file the paperwork or do whatever she had to do to make these gay marriage cases proceed. And now she's in some financial hot water. I think because this woman was taking the incoming in 2015 when no one else was, if you're a person who doesn't necessarily believe that gay marriage should be a federal mandate, there ought to be some kind of GoFundMe set up for this Kim Davis lady because she's got a quarter of a million dollars in, in fines and she really did stand up. You might not agree with her position, but she stood up when nobody else did. And her belief had been legal until the Supreme Court one day decides, oh, we're going to throw away thousands of years of legal precedent in the world and moral precedent, and we're going to go ahead and just kind of go with this whole LGBTQ movement and make gay marriage legal. In which, just not long before that, people like Barack Obama was against gay marriage and a lot of other people against gay marriage. And now, with the stroke of the Supreme Court decision, oh, oh, it's a great thing. We're for it, yeah. Uh, Again, this is not against LGBTQ. This is against gay marriage, which I think is a different, it's a different level. It's a different fight. Because, in my opinion, there should be only a marriage, and I'm going to sound like, Barack Obama circa 2014 marriage should be, should be between a man and a woman period and uh, we need to probably crack down on that we need to make sure we like have a pre-marriage before we have the marriage because we got too many divorces I can raise my hand I'm one of them uh, but we can't really look into the future now can we and, and tell you okay that one's going to work out or this one's not going to work out that would be something special if, if we could come up with a court to decide whether your marriage is going to be legit. But the Supreme Court, back in 2015, reversing world history by in this country, <laughs> going forward with that, and Kim Davis was enemy number one. She remains to be in LGBTQ circles, enemy number one. And they would love, I'm sure, the liberals in the LGBTQ world love to make Donald Trump the enemy number one, but to Trump's credit, he hasn't really expressed what I've just said. Uh, he really has dodged the whole gay marriage question. He probably would say something like, well, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I remember when Bruce Jenner, a.k.a. Caitlin, went to go use the bathroom at Trump Tower in New York, and Trump didn't try to stop Bruce, and Bruce used it. Bruce did a little video, and it was a nothing story. That could have been a major story had Trump tried to keep Jenner out of the men's bathroom. No. I think Jenner used the women's bathroom. I'm not sure. One of the two. Back 2016, maybe, is when that happened. And I believe Jenner went on to vote for Donald Trump. But Kim Davis is still a villain to many. Let's bring you up to speed in Mountain Brook. 
and speed evidently must have been a player as a Tesla as plowed through a Mountain Brook home in the Birmingham suburbs. A family sleeping inside had a Tesla plow right through it. In the early morning hours of New Year's Day, the wreck happened at 2.25 in the morning in the 700 block of Euclid Avenue, which is in the Crestline community of Mountain Brook, just to the south of downtown Birmingham. The Tesla left the roadway and slammed in the house, entering the driveway side of the home and coming to a rest after crashing through an adjacent wall near the back deck. The driver was trapped inside the wreckage. He was taken to UAB Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. That's good news to hear. Speed appeared to be a factor. No charges filed at this point. The family inside the home, not hurt, but the bedrooms, thankfully, were on opposite side of the house where this crash happened. Uh, investigation continues. If you see the photos of this thing, it's a nasty little Tesla crash. I wonder if the driver was using the Tesla automatic navigation system that's been a subject of question by some, or was the driver just speeding because they were enjoying the new year? Were they speeding because they were under the influence? All that's going to be part of the Mountain Brook, Alabama investigation by chief jay liggins and more but uh just a really rough day for the driver of that car thankfully they're okay but they got a destroyed tesla now and i can't imagine they're too happy about that did you realize there are now banished words and the banished words list for this year has been released get ready for the words that you better not say anymore lake superior state university in sault st marie michigan has a long tradition of putting out the banished words list of the year and according to this school they say they received more than 2,000 suggestions from 20 different countries to consider banishing for the year and since 1976 more than a thousand everyday terms have been banished by this school and their English department. So last year, a word that was on the banished list was GOAT, G-O-A-T, the acronym. And before that, wait, what was one of the words? COVID-19 was on the banished list and others. So the full list of banished words, you can find it at kark.com. But I'm going to give you a few of the banished words that they are suggesting for this brand new year. Don't say them. Don't say them. I don't know why. Uh, Hack is one of the words. Impact. At the end of the day, a phrase there is on the banished list. How about Riz, R-I-Z-Z? Slay. I'm going to slay it. Slay the day. Slay is on there. Iconic. Well, we've got an iconic Southern show. I don't want to banish our show. Cringeworthy is on the list. Obsessed. Side hustle and wait for it. All on this banished list for 2024. I think that English department at that Michigan school might want to come up with some more productive things to do with their time. (laughs) What do y'all think? I'll tell you what. What we're going to do is come up with some productive things during this break. As if you stay tuned, we've got hashtag hullabaloo headed your way. Senator Tom Scott, Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Smart guy. Ivy Leaguer. 
He is out talking about the Civil War, and I'm going to tell you why he's talking about it. Plus, we've got something to say here about what's going on in the South in terms of Hoppin' John. Stay tuned. from dragging Sometimes it all seems so defeating As I'm hustling to make it to the Cub Scout meeting Ooh, I dream about Mexico Where all the pretty people go We're on a budget that just won't but Not much money but a whole lot of love Living that domestic life Happy children and a pretty wife Our Cocker Spaniel's always having puppy How could anybody be so lucky See me mowing my domestic yard Lord, I owe my soul to master car But it seems to suit me to a T That domestic life Ain't nothing wrong with that domestic life, John Conley, Mr. Rose Colored Glasses. We're back here on the Y'all Show talking about domestic situations and what else is going on across the southern galaxy. Glad to have you back here. And John Conley was played there, that song by Mr. John, because we got John on our mind as we start hashtag hullabaloo. Did you realize... That Monday was New Year's Day. I'm sure you know you do know that, right? Yes. Well, one of the great traditions of the South is to eat black-eyed peas and collard greens. And some of you eat cabbage. I'm not sure why. But for some of you, New Year's Day includes eating Hoppin' John. Not Hoppin' John Conley, but other good things that include the word John, like John Rawls, pretty good. John Hood is on social media at John Hood NC. He is a foundation president, a columnist, a TV talker, and you can go to the website folklorecycle.com for info on his series of fantasy tales set in early America. That from John Hood, not John Bell Hood, the Confederate general, but just John Hood NC. And Mr. Hood here this week, he's out talking on social media about Hoppin' John. As he writes, for those steeped in Southern tradition, New Year's dinner probably included a healthy helping of Hoppin' John, a dish with rice, black-eyed peas, onions, cooked with bacon, sausage, and ham hocks for flavor. Sometimes collard greens are mixed in. Other times, the collards are on the side. If you have any leftover to eat today, that is typically called Skippin' Jenny. So Hoppin' John is what you eat on New Year's Day, and then on Tuesday, if you had a chance, you could have Skippin' Jenny, leftover Hoppin' John. I wonder what it's called today 
two days after the first <laughs> Wednesday, it, it, it would be just called dang good, I'm sure. Now, Hoppin' John, according to John Hood, originated in the black folklore of the low country of South Carolina and Georgia. As these dishes, the combination of black-eyed peas, rice, and collard greens, the combination of these three dishes were said to bring good luck for the coming year. The term Hoppin' John dates back to at least the 1830s and is associated with various proposed derivations. Some included a disabled cook named John who peddled peas and rice on the streets of Charleston. Others say a fellow named John who always came hopping in whenever his wife took the dish out of the stove. So it's also, according to this guy, John Hood, N.C., more likely, however, that the name Hoppin' John is borrowed in some fashion from Haitian Creole. For example, example, according to him, the Creole term for dried peas is pulse pigeons, pronounced poipigeon, poipigeon. Sorry, I'm not very good at my Haitian these days, or French <laughs> is what they actually speak in Haiti. Uh, you can see it It was corrupted into Hoppin' John. I don't know. I don't know how it's pronounced or where it came from, but I know it's good. So thank you for the lesson on Hoppin' John from this guy, John Hood, N.C. And so there you have a little history lesson. In hour number two, just a few minutes from now, I've got a great Hoppin' John recipe. I'm going to walk you through. That comes to us from southernliving.com. It's called Classic Hoppin' John, and we're going to get into the weeds of Hoppin' John. It's not too late, even though I know Monday was actually New Year's Day. If you missed out, and you know what? I did not have black-eyed peas Monday. I did not have collard greens. My family is probably rolling over in their, well, literally my father in his grave, but my uh, family rolling over in their collared fields that they have because I didn't partake in the family tradition and the family dynasty of eating collard greens. They're going to go broke because I didn't help them out. Um, sorry. But no, a Hoppin' John would be good. I don't know any place near me that serves this up. Now, if you go to the low country, you've got a lot of restaurants that have Hoppin' John consistently on the menu. But we're going to tell you a little bit more about Hoppin' John, thanks to John Hood NC, when we get to our next hour, our Southern Food for Thought. Let's talk a little politics and a little history, if you don't mind. As Senator Tom Tom Cotton, he's representing the natural state of Arkansas. Great, smart, bright face in the Republican Party, Tom Cotton is. Potential Vice President Material, FYI. Tom Cotton AR is his social media account. And Tom Cotton weighed in the other day when Nikki Haley, running for president, did not mention that slavery was a cause of the Civil War, and now she got a lot of grief. We discussed some of this on our Tuesday Y'all Show. Tom Cotton weighing in at Tom Cotton AR. Cotton, an Ivy Leaguer, a lawyer, a veteran who served in Iraq. Cotton says the Civil War started because the American people elected an anti-slavery Republican as president and Democrats revolted rather than accept minor restrictions on the expansion of slavery to the Western territories. And today, 
Democrats would sooner tear the country apart than treat all citizens equally before the law, regardless of color. That from Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Now, he's right on that. The Civil War was created by a divide between North and South, but the Republican Party would not be here if not for its anti-slavery foundation and its connection to the abolitionist of the 1850s up until the 1860 presidential election. And I did not know until recently that the southern states in the 1860 election, most of them would not let Abraham Lincoln and the Republican Party on the ballot. So in an era where we're talking about Trump not getting on ballots, this has been something we've seen before in American history, where legitimate contenders have been kept off ballots. And that happened in many southern states in the 1860 presidential election. That's why you had people like, I think his name was Williamson out of Tennessee, was a some form of Democratic contender for president. Then you had Breckinridge also on the ballot. And the South split the vote on the Democratic side, and that allowed Abraham Lincoln to ultimately win the election of 1860. And true on what Tom Cotton was talking about, this debate in 1860 wasn't necessarily about ending slavery. It was about the expansion of slavery in places like Nevada, Arizona, what was going to happen in places like New Mexico. If you go back to the 1840s with the expansion into California, California, if you follow the Missouri Compromise, it should have been divided. And you should have had a certain section of the state be a slaveholding section of California, and the other section would have been a free portion of the Golden State. But that did not happen. And that ticked off the South in a big way and helped lead the country closer to civil war. And then you had Arizona, which had a Confederate section of it in the civil war. And then New Mexico was a whole nother controversy. And it went on and on and on the, the debate over this, but had Tom cotton of the day back in the 1850s been in Congress serving as a senator, someone with a sharp mind, if he could have just persuaded his fellow Southerners, hey, we don't want a civil war here. We just want to stop expansion, be happy with what we got. And then, sure enough, the can would have probably been kicked down the road a couple of decades. And legally, I think the civil war would have hopefully not have happened, but I'm hoping that slavery and the end of it would have happened at some point. Remember, Brazil was the last major country in the world that had slavery. That lasted up until somewhere in the 1880s, I think, 1890s perhaps, in Brazil. And surely to goodness, the United States, which which would have never divided on this subject, would have been able to keep it together and not had a civil war and not have been the last country in the world to have had 
the nasty business of slavery going on. Those are the words of Tom Cotton. Outspoken is on Twitter, and Outspoken responds here in our hashtag, Senator Cotton. Outspoken says, Yo, Tom, Confederate soldiers were fighting to achieve a separate and independent country based on what they called Southern institutions, the chief of which was the institution of slavery. Hey, sir, please tell Tom Cotton the Civil War was 158 years ago, and he and his party are rife in Confederacy. Tell us all, Tom, why you wanted to keep Confederate monuments and were okay with the Confederate flag in our capital. You are revolting. That from Outspoken, talking to Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Yeah, well, I don't know if Arkansas has a flag flying, but they do have a star on their official state flag, which is set up as a Confederate memorial. And I'm okay with that. A lot of Arkansans died fighting for the Southern cause. But I'm okay also with the uh, end of the institution of which they were just talking about. That ends Hour 1. we got more, y'all, coming up. The program that kind of keeps it southern all day long, all week long, and well, hopefully all 2024 long is going to be here for this hour that we call the Y'all Show, hour number two on this Wednesday. Hope you're doing great out there. We got a lot of great stuff coming your way, more headlines from across Dixie. We got food to talk about. We introduced you to the history of Hoppin' John in hour number one here this hour. We've got a great recipe. It's a classic Hoppin' John recipe coming from southernliving.com. We're going to break that down for you and tell you how you can make it. A low country special coming up in just a few minutes. Before the hour is up, it's our Southern Business Spotlight. And make sure you stick around for the goings-on of the business world because careerfitter.com has put out an article that is titled 12 careers for the chance to get the best job in 2024 if you're struggling you might want to consider switching careers to one of these careers so you can get the best job this year and we're going to tell you what exactly all those jobs are in just a few right here in our southern business spotlight of this second hour to get involved with the program about the south you can text us 24-7-615-208-4184. You can email us, mail at yall.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Let's get back into some of the news headlines from across the South today. And we start off this hour with tragic news from North Arkansas. As a member of the Stone County Sheriff's Office was killed in the line of duty, this deputy killed at 4.30 local time on Tuesday. The name of the officer has been withheld at the current time. And the suspect also, that name being withheld at the current time. The Arkansas State Police is investigating 
as the ASP Criminal Investigation Division is the lead agency into the investigation of this deadly incident in Stone County in Arkansas. The sheriff of Stone County is Brandon Long, and he's out asking for prayers for the family, friends, and colleagues of the officer who was killed. Again, from Stone County in the state of Arkansas, a deputy killed in the line of duty on Tuesday afternoon, a second consecutive death of a law enforcement officer that we're having to tell you here this week. The Powerball has been found, and it's been sold in Michigan. $842 million Powerball ticket sold there at a food castle, and someone's going to have their crown put on there at the food castle as they get the big-time, big, big, big-time money This was one of the biggest we've seen in the country. But just in case you're thinking about a career switch to being a Powerball player, the chance of winning the Powerball is 1 in 292 million. Now, I've got a graphic here of the top U.S. lottery jackpots. And the biggest jackpot we've ever seen was over $2 billion dollars. And it was in November of 2022, over a year ago, there was a Powerball that topped over $2 billion, the first time that had ever happened here in America. And that ticket was sold in California. Okay, I tell you that because the second largest Powerball ever won was in October of this past year, October of 2023. That one topped out at over $1.7 billion. That was also sold in California. There's a California conspiracy going on here of Powerball winning tickets. The Mega Millions was a ticket sold back on August 8, and it was sold in Florida, $1.6 billion for that Mega Millions drawing. And then we've seen Powerball winnings in 2016 in the $1.5 billion jackpot that evidently must have been shared there were three different winning tickets sold in california now this is good news florida back into the winning mix as well as the volunteer state of tennessee tennessee with a winning ticket sold back in 2016 south carolina had a mega millions winner of 1.5 billion in 2018 i remember that case because the person in south carolina you don't have to identify your name And so that winner was from around Fountain Inn. I think I'm right on that. And they still are a mystery. So that was a 2018 winner. If you have been around Fountain Inn, South Carolina lately, and if you've seen somebody switch up their lifestyle in the last five years and have gone from broke to billionaire, (laughs) there's a good chance they were the Mega Millions winner of 2018 but those are some of the winning winning states but that's all for the south in terms of the big one south carolina florida tennessee is is the end everything else continues to be michigan and california there's a conspiracy there and and even the the tennessee winner you kind of got messed up there because you had to share your powerball there were three different winners i don't understand that I don't understand a lot of things in life, I guess.
But uh, unfortunately, if you were looking to cash in on this latest Powerball, it's now back to zero. I guess that's how that works. And we will uh, wish for another lucky ticket in the future. Unfortunately, the ticket has been cashed in at the Wild Horse Saloon. This is the famous place in Nashville that the Gaylord Entertainment Company put in on 2nd Avenue back in the 1990s. 1994, specifically the year that it opened right there. And I have a, a close connection to the Wild Horse Saloon. I used to go in there back in 1994 when it first opened because I was a Gaylord Entertainment employee. And we would have parties there. We specifically had our 1994 Christmas party at the Wild Horse Saloon. Probably had a little bit too much to drink now that I think about it. And I remember the 1993 party we had was on the General Jackson showboat. So, uh, yeah, thinking about Christmas parties of yesteryear here on today's Y'all Show. But the 94 Wild Horse Saloon opening, and it was a big step by Gaylord to go into downtown Nashville and put a lot of money into making this big, gigantic nightclub and bar because in the 1990s, downtown Nashville was not even a factor. All the tourism stuff was out at Opryland, which primarily was driven by Gaylord Entertainment, which owned the Opryland Hotel, and I think they still own it. And so they put money into making downtown nashville a thing and the wild horse saloon was that first the uh, the first kind of gamble a, a, a powerball if you will of the downtown nashville economy and it turned out to be a monster success so much so that within a year or two you had a lot of other businesses opening on second avenue and then that would extend into lower broadway and i know tootsies had always been down there and Robert's Western Wear and the Ernest Tubb Record Shop was sort of a, more of a lower Broadway thing. But 2nd Avenue needed a real spark. And because of the Wild Horse Saloon coming, you soon had Hooters opening up. And I went to the grand opening of the Hard Rock Cafe. Started in Jackson, Tennessee, by the way. But they had a Hard Rock Cafe right there in the lower Broadway slash 2nd Avenue section of downtown Nashville. The 1990s was booming. I went to a Steven Seagal, what is that movie, uh, Enemy Down Below or Fire Down Below or something. I went to the world premiere of that thing and saw all the stars coming into Planet Hollywood was a place that also opened. All because Wild Horse Saloon was that first place to open. Unfortunately, Wild Horse Saloon has officially closed. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, it is. It's it's officially closed. Starting on Monday, January 1st, Wild Horse Saloon in Nashville officially closed. As they put out a statement, since 1994, Wild Horse Saloon has been a beacon of Nashville's vibrant music scene. We're excited to announce that 2024 marks the beginning of a new chapter for this iconic venue. <sighs> you know, I hate to see it go. But... What's going in in that spot? Not in Gaylord's fumble of the 1990s. They're not putting in an outlet mall <laughs> on Second Avenue in Nashville. They're going to put in a Luke Combs multi-level entertainment complex. And I don't know if Gaylord's going to own it or not, if they sold the land or what. But 
country music singer Luke Combs is going to have his own complex in downtown Nashville, and he's taken over where the Wild Horse Saloon was, and it's a partnership with Opry Entertainment to come up with his own place there. It's going to reflect his passions for music, songwriting, whiskey, and sports. He better have a lot of Carolina Panthers stuff in there, or I'm not going. Uh, the worst team in the NFL, FYI, Luke. Uh, not not good. Not good for us CP fans. Uh, this is going to be a 69,000-square-foot complex with three interior levels there in downtown Nashville. It's going to have a 9,000-square-foot rooftop as well. So it should be a cool place. And unlike the other venues that you find down there, the celebrity venues, I'm thinking of John Rich's place and Garth's got a place. Kid Rock's got a place in Nashville. Most of your big stars have something. I don't think I don't think Taylor Swift has anything, but most of them have very crowded places. Jason Aldean, I think, has got a place. They they got little small venues, mostly tourist traps, mostly places to get you in there so you'll spend twenty bucks on a drink and then buy a T shirt for a hundred dollars. I might be exaggerating slightly. <laughs> um, but I know that Luke Combs, with this decision to go into where Wild Horse is, gives him an advantage in terms of space. And they can have a lot of company parties. And, heck, they could even have the old 1994 Gaylord Christmas party reimagined at Luke Combs' place. Just to keep me away from the free booze there's nothing like a company party though don't you agree and if you've had a company christmas party here lately i hope you had a great time because there's something about seeing your co-workers after they've had a few cocktails they kind of let things out that they don't normally let out i don't think i did though i'm a fun when i drink i'm funny at least that's what they tell me some people get belligerent i'm not one of those types I'm just, I'm an already goofy guy that becomes even more goofy under the influence. That's one reason I don't do it because I don't want to be, uh, I don't do it very often. I don't want to be responsible for saying something stupid that I wouldn't have said normally had I not been uh, boozing it up or having an extra beer that I shouldn't have had. That is a look at some of our news headlines of the day here on Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back in Hour 3, I've got some more headlines to tell you about, including, is your state one of the top states in the country that people are either moving to or away from? U-Haul has this data that's just come out for 2023. I'm going to tell you about that. Plus, the Mississippi Lottery needs pictures of dogs for a new promo that they're coming up with. If you love your canine American... I don't know if you have to be a Mississippian to be a participant in this contest, but Mississippi Lottery looking for some dog loving and lovely dogs to go as part of a campaign that they got coming your way soon. We will tell you the details, so go ahead and get your pen and paper ready. If you are proud of your pooch, you can have it at least on display proudly in Mississippi courtesy of the lottery in the magnolia state all that is right ahead on the y'all show when we come back on y'all though you stick around now because we're going to have a look at a great 
Hoppin' John recipe. SouthernLiving.com has got the classic Hoppin' John recipe. We were telling you about the history of this dish in hour number one and its connection to New Year's and how you should have it so you can make lots of money and have lots of luck in the new year. And if you missed out on that, I've got this delicious recipe coming your way. We have that. Also, before the hour is up, we've got a look at some of the career trends going on courtesy of our Southern Business Spotlight. All that here on The Y'all Show. pretty good at country music too billy currington from savannah georgia he was raised in rinkin georgia and currently lives in the coastal empire of savannah and over there in tybee and all that area what a neat neat story he went to effingham county high school in springfield georgia before he had a chance to audition for a spot at opryland back in the 1990s and got a chance uh, to go to Nashville and move there to pursue his career in country music and ultimately was discovered. And what a great discovery Billy Currington has been. Again, the Savannah, Georgia native who, how about that? I did not know that he still lives in good old Savannah. 50-year-old Billy Currington, born William Matthew Currington. I'm pretty good at drinking beer. Yeah, you are. <laughs> We're back here on the show all about the South, and we've got Savannah and all of the coastal islands of Georgia on our mind, as well as, of course, the low country of South Carolina. We're going to continue on here with our discussion of Hoppin' John. We told you in our one day a little bit about the history of this delicious dish, a dish that combines rice as well as black-eyed peas and collard greens, and a lot of people in Savannah and Hilton Head and Beaufort and Bluffton and Charleston and over in what uh, Ravenel, that would be the hometown of Mr. Hootie and the Blowfish himself. That would be a good place for Hoppin' John. So you got all that going on. For New Year's Day, a lot of people in that section of the South eat Hoppin' John. And rice, by the way, was a product that was grown in a big form 
in the coastal portions of Georgia and South Carolina in the slavery days. Rice, a big product there. I don't know how much rice is grown in South Carolina and in Georgia today, but back in the early portion of our country's founding, that was one of the big crops there in that section of the South. Rice. Rice today grown, I know, in Arkansas and maybe a little bit in Mississippi, perhaps even in Tennessee. But I know it's big in the natural state. And I think Louisiana, too. I should throw them out there as a rice state, too. But uh, the way they harvested rice in the old days was you had to have a lot of slaves. And therefore, the slaves combined that rice they made with something they brought back from the to this country from their old country of Africa, their old continent, and that was collard greens. And then they had the black-eyed peas, and they created this dish called Hoppin' John. And Hoppin' John continues today. As I said, hour one today, we told you a little bit about the history of this dish that comes directly from the freed slaves. But I want to give you a classic Hoppin' John recipe, and this comes to us from Southern Living dot com as they've got a great recipe put up by Paige Grand Jean. It's the classic Hoppin' John recipe. This is a two for one dish. Enjoy the rice dish for dinner and save the liquid for soups, beans, or stews later. So two for one there. Classic John, classic Hoppin' John recipe coming from SouthernLiving.com. As the writer says, a hearty bowl of Hoppin' John has been the way many Southerners ring in the new year. You serve it alongside a side of collard greens and cornbread, and the meal signifies a year filled with good fortune and security. Now, also, you want to use thick-cut bacon to impart the perfect amount of smokiness to this soul food staple. And the writer says that this Hoppin' John recipe is going to serve up a generous helping of both comfort and tradition for you and your family this New Year's Day. And again, I know New Year's was two days ago, but boy, a good servant of Hoppin' John is good any day of the year. Hoppin' John is a American dish that comes directly from the slaves that came from Africa, and it's made by slowly simmering black-eyed peas with pork and vegetables. Traditionally served over a bed of freshly cooked rice, this simple yet incredibly flavorful dish of rice, pork, and beans is going to bring you luck and prosperity during the year. So the ingredients that you need. There are three things you do want to keep traditional about your Hoppin' John recipe, according to this recipe at southernliving.com. You're going to want to have the pork, the peas, and the rice. Okay? Then you need to have bacon. As the article says, while you'll often find most Hoppin' John recipes calling for a ham hock, we find that at times it can overpower the dish. Instead, Southern Living recommends using thick-cut slices of bacon as you'll end up with crispy pieces of salty goodness without comprising or rather compromising on taste. So you can also use smoked turkey as a similar flavor in your Hoppin' John. Plus, you want to add beans. They suggest dried black-eyed peas or traditionally used in Hoppin' John, but if you're pressed for time, you can use either frozen or canned beans. A Hoppin' John 
<laughs> easy to make recipe here for you. As far as the rice, Carolina gold rice is a nuttier, earthier grain of rice that's been a staple of low country food for centuries. And if you can't find Carolina gold rice where you live, you can swap it out with other long grain white rice. Mix in sort of a Louisiana feel with the addition of vegetables, onions, celery, bell pepper. All will help out your Hoppin' John recipe. Herbs and seasoning include fresh thyme, chopped garlic, black pepper, and cayenne. Great additions. And then chicken broth will add to your Hoppin' John recipe. Using a low-sodium chicken broth helps keep your sodium levels in check. And if you've got the time, you can make some homemade chicken stock instead of using the canned low-sodium chicken broth. So those are some good tips here. This this article really goes into a lot of detail of how you can have the best beans, like cow peas or red peas or field peas perhaps in there, and how to serve it up. you got to have that pork. But then the other cool thing is if you don't eat all of your Hoppin' John on the first serving, which some of you had it on New Year's Day, you can have it as a leftover. When eaten the day after New Year's, leftovers of this hearty dish are often stirred, uh, referred to as skipping Jenny, and that is to indicate one's frugality. <laughs> skipping Jenny instead of Hoppin' John. And you want to keep your leftovers in the fridge for three to four days. So eating Hoppin' John today, if you made it on Monday, still good today. You can also freeze it in a zip-top bag or an airtight container for up to six months. Hoppin' John leftovers can be reheated, reheated in the microwave or over a stovetop. Be sure to add a couple of teaspoons of broth to the pot to prevent it from sticking to the bottom when you heat it up again. So in in uh, just in the nick of time, you've got this great Hoppin' John recipe that uses thick bacon slices, six of them to be specific. Six thick-cut bacon slices, celery, you got to have a yellow onion, bell pepper, cloves of garlic, plus fresh thyme, black pepper, cayenne pepper, salt, chicken broth, four cups of fresh or frozen black-eyed peas, olive oil, that Carolina gold rice that's uncooked, and then you need to have scallions that are diced. And the instructions are all at southernliving.com. I encourage you to go there. And you can figure out how to make this yourself. It's the Hoppin' John recipe from southernliving.com. And it sounds delicious. Again, if you missed out on Monday, you can bring this in. And they don't have here on this recipe the inclusion of collard greens into the Hoppin' John. A lot of Hoppin' John recipes have that mixed in as part of the recipe. But I think you can make it and have the collards on the side. Not turnips, collards. This is the one day of the year that collards get their due respect, New Year's, or two days after New Year's. We're going to go ahead and give you all a pass and allow you to have uh, collards on the 3rd of January. But Hoppin' John getting a lot of love here, courtesy of our person on social media that brought it up in our number one. John was his name from North Carolina. And we really felt like you deserved to hear more of how to make this stuff and how easy it is and how delicious it is too. And it has the double bang bang of having 
a great meal, but also bringing you luck and the good fortune that will come your way. And making money, it's supposed to help you make lots of money, the luck of making money in the new year. All from southernliving.com. Go check out this classic Hoppin' John recipe. Well, we've got business news to get to after this break. Stay tuned as we will go to the website careerfilter.com. And they've got 12 careers for the chance to get the best job in 2024 posted. And we'll break it down. If you're needing a career change, you might want to pay close attention. That's right ahead as we close out Hour 2. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. A woman done left and took all the reason I was working for. You better not try to stand in my way as I'm walking out the door. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. I've been working in this factory for now 15 years. All this time I watched my woman drowning in a pool of tears. I've seen a lot of good folk die Had a lot of bills to pay I'd give the shirt right off of my back If I had the guts to say Take this job and shove it I ain't working here no more Noted Johnny Paycheck. We're back here on Talking About Everything Southern. If you want to take your job and shove it now that we've hit a new year, might want to pay attention to what we're about to talk about here on our Southern Business Spotlight of the Week. We've got 12 careers for the chance to get the best job in 2024. This comes to us from CareerFitter.com. Check them out online, CareerFitter. 12 12 best career jobs. So are you ready? The number one best career job that you could check out and switch to is home health and personal care aides. There's expected to be this year over 800,000 new jobs created with an average annual salary of $30,000 for home health and personal care aides. 30000 a year. 410,000 new jobs created for software developers. Slightly more money if you're a software developer. $127,000 on average per year if you're a software developer. Hmm, where do I apply? Yes, software developers will be expected to handle things like analyzing information to plan a new system installation or modify an existing one. Software developers analyze the needs of users and assess the software requirements to determine the design time frame and cost estimates. Your, your brain able to handle all that? Um, probably so. Also, you must discuss and coordinate information and limitations of a project with project managers. You got to get along to be a good software developer. But look at that money. 127 on average a year. That would be one twenty-seven hundred thousand for software developers. Again, from this website, CareerFitter.com, the 12 careers 
that give you the best chance to get a job in 2024. Number three on their list is a chef. One thing that a robot can't do, one thing that Amazon.com can't do is deliver a good meal. I guess there are those mail order things you can put in the microwave, but if you want a good, yummy meal, one made with love, uh, you need a chef to do that. And this year, over 28,000 new chefs are needed here in America. The average salary for a chef, $60,210 a year. $60,000 cooking up food. And one of the perks of being a chef, I assume, I've never been a chef, just an amateur chef, is you can sample some of the food. You don't have to maybe go home and load up the refrigerator with all kind of stuff to make things at home. You've got plenty of things you've played around with at the job, and maybe you might even be able to take a to-go, a doggy box, a doggy bag. Man, if, if I weren't able to take home to-go drinks from restaurants and the occasional doggy box, doggy bag, whatever it's called. I I usually don't have those anymore because I I usually eat all my food. But, uh, man, the to-go drinks, I wouldn't wouldn't know what to do if not for that beautiful transportable cup I could take with me out of the restaurants. But chefs learn their skills through work experience. Yes, you can go get training at select community colleges and culinary art schools and even four-year colleges, but it really comes down to doing it and getting after it. And if you do it and get after it and you're a good enough chef, you could be the next Chef Gordon Ramsay. In fact, he supposedly earned $63 million at his Yes, chef. Yar, yar, yar. That guy got an anger issue, don't you think? Gordon Ramsay earned $63 million back in 2019. Not, not too bad for a yeller, old yeller in the kitchen. Another job here again from careerfitter.com, the 12 careers that are your best chance to get a job in 2024. You have stockers and order fillers. There's a need for over 178,000 of these kinds of people hired this year. Average salary of 47,000 a year. You don't even have to have a degree to be a stocker or order filler. These are your people working to ship out things, helping to bring inventory from the storage area to warehouses and more. And you need attention to detail and dependability in this kind of role. But, uh, yeah, if you have a, a big-time box store, you, you're going to have to have people out there ensuring that the stuff, the, the shelves are full, and the merchandise looks more appealing and easy to see. And that's why stockers and order fillers are a necessary job and a job that's going to be increasing as we go forward in the new year. This important job, there's a need for it, and jobs are available Registered nurses. There will be over 177,000 new registered nurses' jobs open up this year. The average salary for a registered nurse, 81000 And what a, what a special calling for all of you out there who are nurses. And I know there are nurses that come in various 
degrees and forms, but the registered nurse and all the work that they go into from a school standpoint and from a, an apprentice standpoint to, to get to that level where you're a RN, what a, what a fantastic career and, and important, just like teaching is. We've got to have our various forms of nursing, whether it's a nurse practitioner, the acute care, the critical care, the LPN, the, the midwives as well. Just, just so important. And they get handsomely rewarded from a financial standpoint. However, it's a tough job. I mean, there are jobs as nurses that you're going to have that you might see somebody lose their life. You're going to have to draw blood. You're going to have to clean up messes. And it's that special calling that nurses have that help justify why they get 80000 plus a year in that role as a registered nurse. That, again, one of the best career jobs for the new year. Another job necessary, and you get paid decent money in my opinion, laborers and freight stock and material movers. 48000 These are the people in the big warehouses that are moving stuff on a pallet jack or they've got the forklifts going and the work personality for these kind of jobs you've got to have attention to detail and the ability to work under stressful situations and you don't have to worry about going to college here but you'll be rewarded with this job if you can get it there as a laborer and freight stock material mover another job for 2024 that pays very well and there's a need for it over 147,000 openings expected this year in this particular job title general and operations managers we need some bosses we need somebody to be the boss and you get paid pretty well $98,000 a year the average salary for a GM and with all the new hires coming for different jobs you got to have someone who's dependable, can communicate, can solve problems, and knows how to deal with time management. You'll have to put out fires. I learned a long time ago as a general manager that the number one job you've got to be, it's not in the job description, but it's a perfect description of what a GM, at least a good GM, does. Your job is not... CEO, chief executive officer as a general or operations manager. You're not the CEO. You're the CBS, the CBS of the company. And that's chief babysitter. <laughs> that's what you got to do. If you got people working under you, you got to let this person come in and vent. And you got to let somebody else come in and vent. And then you got to solve the problems between those two and the new person and the old person and and you got to keep the company marching along all at the same time. Yet you got to be a babysitter. And trust me, there are a lot of babies that work in professional environments. There are people who bring their unnecessary drama to the workplace. And as a general manager, if you're a good one, you got to be the babysitter. That's the downside of the job. The, the good side of being a general manager or CEO is... You're fired. You're out of here. When you suck, you get fired. And I don't necessarily enjoy when I've let people go that feeling. But, you know, I look at it on the other side. These people didn't do the job. 
I mean, I had to let somebody go not long ago. I gave her multiple chances. I said, I need to get this much out of you each week. And she went from what I was requesting was like five things to do a week. At most, I would get two. And I kept on her and on her. And finally, I got tired of paying somebody to do nothing. So I pulled out my best Donald Trump apprentice and said, you're fired. And the bad news for me is I haven't been able to replace her. I'm having to do the work. But you know what? I'd rather suck it up and do more than to pay somebody to do nothing. I was a chief babysitter in that case. Met another one on the list from careerfitter.com of 12 best careers for jobs in 2024. Medical and health services managers making over $104,000 a year in this profession. And there's going to be hundreds of thousands of these openings across the country. So check that out as a possibility. How about light truck drivers? 75000 a year on average for this job. Over 100,000 new jobs created for a light truck drivers. These are the people out making deliveries, going to loading docks and more. And yes, a high school diploma in some cases might be necessary. But instead of being the long truck driver, open road truck driver, these are for the short day trips. And you can be an LTD, light truck driver. Also on the list, financial managers making nearly 140000 a year. That's a good amount of money there, 125,000 new jobs opening up. Nurse practitioners making 121,000 a year on this list and market research analyst and marketing specialist at 131 a year on the listing of jobs from careerfitter.com that you can check out. Check out this entire article posted at careerfitter.com of the 2024 jobs that are giving you the best chance to get a job. we got Hour 3 of the Y'all Show coming up right after this. Broadcasting on great stations in the land of cotton, as well as in podcast form, The Y'all Show. You can catch us in iHeartRadio, as well as Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're also on the TuneIn app, and we are at y'all.com, the South's homepage. John Rawl is my name. I'm the general of all things Southern, and it is great to have you back here on this Wednesday, January Three of 2024. Three, what is it? One, three, two, four. I just, it just hit me. Today's one. No, no, no. Yesterday would have been better. No, one, two. 
one one three two fours today. Okay, forget that. There were a lot of people. I didn't realize this until it already had happened. A lot of people got married on New Year's Eve because it was twelve thirty one twenty three, which is one two three one two three. A one two three. A one two three. Uh, I do. They said probably in a Vegas wedding chapel. But yeah, a lot of hey, if you're a newlywed, congratulations from all of us here at the Y'all Show. But it is the third day of January here as we kick off this new year of bringing you Southern Conversation. And you can find the Y'all Show in our different podcast forums. Thank you for those of you who listen to us each and every day that way, or those of you who catch us on awesome broadcast stations. We appreciate that. We do our great, great service to you of bringing you all the news and goings-on of Dixie. And coming up here in our final hour of our Wednesday broadcast, We've got not just the news headlines of the day. I'm going to tell you about U-Haul. A lot of U-Haul stuff coming here in a sec. But we've got our Southern History Spotlight headed your way. For Protestants out there, today's kind of a big day in history. I'm going to explain. We'll get that story to you. Plus, we will tell you about some birthday boys today. Happy birthday, number 10, Eli Manning, Mr. Red and Blue, Mr. in his college days, was the life of Oxford MS, <laughs> and then went on and became the toast of the town of Manhattan and led the New York football giants to two Super Bowl championships. Eli Manning with a birthday today. Today, also the birthday of a fellow who's done pretty good in Major League Baseball world, A.J. Burnett. We've got info on him and his Southern connection, all right here in our Southern History Spotlight a little bit later this hour. Before we get out of here today, we're going to bring some smiles to your face as we have found the YouTube channel for Andrew Rivers and his website, andrewjrivers.com. And Andrew's got a great little video up called Clean Comedy Doesn't Suck. And we will play you a portion of that. And he's a funny fella. And that's part of our Southern Humor Spotlight that will close out this Wednesday Y'all program. To get involved with our program, you can text us anytime, 615-208-4184, or mail us on the email account of mail, M-A-I-L, at Y-A-L-L dot com. We'd love to hear from you here on the show that shakes the Southland. Some political news to start this hour. Robert F. Kennedy has qualified on a ballot. He's going to be on Utah's ballot, the first state to grant him access in the 2024 presidential race, the son of RFK, who was gunned down in the 1968 campaign for president, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. now has collected enough signatures to appear on Utah's presidential ballot this year. And that's, again, the first state to allow this independent candidate on a ballot. And is he coming soon to a state near you? RFK Jr. has been traversing the country hasn't quite gotten the attention that Trump or Biden or others have received, but he's not letting up. And his presence alone could, if he stays in the race and doesn't bow out, could make a major impact come election day. Just the handful of votes that he might draw from either a Biden or a Trump could be all the difference in 2024. Sean Hannity has moved from New York to the 
quote, free state of Florida. He's leaving Long Island, a place I think he grew up on, to go to the sunny shores of Florida. Don't know exactly where he has settled in Florida. I assume it's somewhere around Palm Beach and Trump. He's going to be living in Trump world. Maybe Trump cut him a deal at Mar-a-Lago. But Sean Hannity of Fox News Channel, officially now a Floridian. Wouldn't it be a lot more cool, though, if Sean Hannity moved to the Redneck Riviera, uh, Riviera or maybe around Jacksonville Beach would be a lot better? How about, I went to a really cool town last year south of Tallahassee. Sean Hannity would feel much more at home if he were living in a place like where I went last year and had a great visit, had a great meal, and saw the choo-choo train go around when I was hanging out in Crawfordville, Florida, 30 miles south of Tallahassee. Got to go through the swamps and national forests to get out there, but cool place. How about he go to Apalachicola? That'd be a good place for Sean Hannity. Or if you're really tired of hearing about Sean Hannity, maybe the best place for him to go in uh, the state of Florida isn't even Key West. It would be way off at Fort Jefferson. If you haven't looked up Fort Jefferson in Florida's history, it's a national park and there's no escaping. In fact, that's where they sent Jefferson Davis after the Civil War was imprisoned at Fort Jefferson off of Key West, but way out in the Gulf of Mexico. I think it's part of the Dry Tortugas National Park. Haven't been there. I learned about that 20-something years ago from someone who visited, and they knew I was a big history person, and they said, you, you, you should go out there. Well, you know what? I'll go anywhere in Florida. Love the Sunshine State. I'll even go into Miami. I'll go to the Florabama Lounge, even. But that's, that's, now that's risky right there going to the Florabama because I might end up in Alabama. But no, no, uh, good luck, Sean Hannity, in your move to the Sunshine State of Florida. He follows, of course, the lead of the great, the great one, Rush Limbaugh. Not, not Mark Levin, the real great one, Rush Limbaugh, as he moves to Florida to get his next chapter of life going, wishing him all the best. I don't know if Hannity is going to use a U-Haul to get from Long Island to the Sunshine State, but nothing would surprise me if he did because we've got the new growth index report from U-Haul. It releases this growth index report each year, and it tracks how thousands of people move across state lines going from one state to another, and it comes from the equipment that U-Haul uses to track the places that people go to. U-Haul says there are more than 2 million one-way U-Haul truck transactions each year within the U.S. and Canada. And according to U-Haul, movers prefer destinations in the southeast in 2023. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The southwest also a popular place, but Texas was deemed U-Haul's most popular state for migration for the second straight year, and the sixth time in eight years, the Lone Star State has checked in tops in the country for places people are wanting to go to. The states that saw the largest influx of movers, number one, Texas, number two, Florida, number three, North Carolina, 
number four, South Carolina, and your number five state for states that saw the largest influx of movers from U-Haul going to these states to move and settle the volunteer state of Tennessee. So it's like an SEC type thing here with Texas, Florida, North Carolina. Well, North Carolina's not in the SEC yet. (laughs) Uh, South Carolina and Tennessee all making the cut. I guess it would be more like an American conference with Texas represented by what, uh, what do they got there? UTSA's in the American now. You got Florida, of course, got uh, Florida Atlantic, I think, is in there because UCF moved into the Big 12. And then you got South Florida's in the American. North Carolina's got the North ECU Pirates representing that state. South Carolina, there's no American team there. Oops. And then Tennessee's got the Memphis Tigers in the American, but uh, – I can't come up with a sports metaphor to equate to this U-Haul story. But, uh, yes, Texas is where people are moving to. So if those are your top five states for U-Haul to track data, people going to Texas, Florida, the Carolinas, and Tennessee, then where the heck are people leaving? And as Gomer would say, surprise, 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 your top states for moving out of the number one state to get the heck out of, California, followed by Massachusetts, then Illinois, then New Jersey, and Michigan. Where the heck is Ohio? I see more people who say they are from Ohio than any place out there. But California has the most exiting folks going. Congratulations, California. That's what all the taxes and stupid rules and crime and more will will give you sunshine not uh, golden state sunshine state you're right up there among the places people want to go to all right wrapping up our stories of the day here on the y'all show want to tell you about what the mississippi lottery is looking for they're not looking for you they're looking for your canine american Did you realize that if you have a pretty pooch that the Mississippi Lottery might make your doggy famous? You can win $1,000 in cash and see your dog featured on a scratch-off ticket coming in the summer of 2024. Now through Sunday, players, I guess you've got to be in Mississippi to participate, you've got to upload a picture of your favorite dog, using a special link emailed to insiders that was sent out on Tuesday. There must be one dog only in submitted submitted photos, multiple entries not allowed. But once the submissions are reviewed by the Mississippi Lottery panel, selected entries will be promoted on social media for the public to vote on their favorites. Coming up January 22nd to 28th, the top eight dogs with the most votes, will be featured on the Lucky Dog Instant Scratch-Off ticket this summer. And the owners of each of the eight finalists will get $1,000 cash from Mississippi Lottery, and then winners will be notified via certified letter. Winners announced February 2nd. So you can immortalize your favorite dog in Mississippi by having their beautiful picture show up on a Mississippi Lottery ticket. And their lucky dog 
scratch-off ticket. I recently won some money on a Mississippi scratch-off, so I'm not going to knock this. I'm gonna not, not going to knock this one at all. Maybe this is the perfect scratch-off to win big-time money. Again, eight lucky dog owners are going to have a chance to win $1,000 in cash. I don't even own a dog. I might have to borrow your favorite dog and sneak him into Mississippi and and submit this thing and try to see if I can't pull up $1,000. Or are y'all going to steal my idea and do it yourself? I saw a great picture on Tuesday of someone who had their dogs perfectly lined up for like a posed picture. No humans in the picture. It was their dogs posing, and I don't think it was artificial intelligence created it. It was really a stunning photo, and I'm sure the person spent a lot of money on the photo and a whole lot of money making those dogs look so darn cute. And person, if you're listening, you can't use all four, but pick one of those four, and you might have $1,000 coming your way courtesy of Mississippi's Lottery. Salute Magnolia State. All right, that's, again, a look at some of our headlines of the day here on the show all about the South. When we come back, we're going to switch over and give you some Southern history. Martin Luther made history on this day, and we'll explain how his excommunication from the Catholic Church helped change world history. That, plus some famous birthdays, especially in the sports world. We got that, and a text has just come in. We'll read that all coming up. Fourth birthday for Nikki Nelson, the lady singing that song. That was the song that was a big hit for Highway 101, of which Nikki Nelson was and still is a member of great country band of the 1980s. Paulette Carlson was the original lead singer of Highway 101, and Paulette left for a solo career. And this redhead from California came in and had this sort of one hit with the band. But I love Highway 101, and I love this song, but this was really Nikki Nelson's only contribution to the band that was a hit, at least. Bing, Bang, Boom, from around 1992, I think this was when this was out. Nikki Nelson, happy birthday to her. We've got other birthdays to pass along to you here as part of our Southern History and Birthday Spotlight on this January 
Third, now let's go back in history, in our Southern History Spotlight, and this isn't exactly something that happened here in the South, but boy, did the result of what happened some 500 years ago have something, a whole lot of something, to do with the way the South is shaped. And that would be, on this day in history, Martin Luther was excommunicated. As on January 3rd, 1521, Pope Leo X issued the papal doctrine which excommunicated Martin Luther from the Catholic Church. Luther, the chief catalyst of Protestantism, was a professor of biblical interpretation at the University of Wittenberg in Germany, and he drew up his 95 theses condemning the Catholic Church for its corrupt practice of selling indulgences, or the forgivenesses of sin. And then Luther followed up the revolutionary work with equally controversial and groundbreaking theological works. And it set off a firestorm in the Catholic Church in the early 1500s. And on this day in history, Pope Leo X excommunicated Luther. And Luther had to go and defend his beliefs before the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V at the Diet of Worms, where he was defiant in that defense, but excommunicated. In fact, Luther, who would die in 1546, remained excommunicated from the church upon his death. It was the excommunication still in effect for a man who literally changed the path of Christianity in the world by his 95 Theses, putting it on the church there in Germany back in the 1500s. I went back in 2017 in a very limited way. There was a very good documentary about Martin Luther that was released on the 500th anniversary of his 95 Theses being posted. And there were theaters around the country that played this roughly two-hour documentary, and I went and saw it. And it was so good. It really was. And I hate the fact that the 500th anniversary of Protestantism was essentially forgotten by most. But that's what happens, unfortunately, in, in the world that we live in. But the, the protest, that's where Protestantism comes from, the protest that Luther had against the Catholic Church, and especially the indulgences portion, was a major change. And the Catholic Church ultimately would get rid of indulgences, would ultimately adopt, if not all, most of the complaints that this German priest and theologian Martin Luther had against the church. And his defense, I mean, he wasn't trying to split apart the Catholic church by his protest, but it, it did happen. And Protestantism started, and the originator, if you will, of Protestantism is Lutheranism, and that swept through Europe, and it created the what they call, if you go over there to Europe today, you tell people they're either Catholic or they're Evangelica, Evangelica, which is they're Protestant, they're evangelists, they're what we would call Lutheran, I guess. But that version of Lutheranism would go into other countries, and, for example, we know that in Scotland, that form of Lutheranism we call Presbyterianism, and I know there's some deviations 
in each of these examples. The Church of England, the Anglican Church is a Protestant religion. You got Methodism, you've got all these other forms of Protestantism that have come and originated in this country. It could be your apostolic faith, it could be the various Nazarene faiths, um, you name it, you name it. All kinds of breakdowns of Lutheranism and, and, and variants of it. But Martin Luther, important date in history from a religious standpoint that he was excommunicated way back on this day in the early portion of the uh, 1500s, January 3rd, 1521. And, of course, many people, when you say the name Martin Luther today, they don't have a clue who you're talking about from the guy from the 1500s. They're thinking about the guy from the 1960s that had King added to the uh, end of his name. Apple. This is a big day in Apple history because it was on this day in 1977, January 3rd, that Apple was incorporated. And it was incorporated without one of its founders, Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne, as well as Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, helped found Apple in 1976. And in the end, Wayne was not considered one of the guys who helped incorporate it, as he had already kind of settled and left the company. And let's see here. Wayne sold his share of the company to Jobs and Wozniak for $800, only 12 days after having co-founded Apple. Hmm, I think that was a pretty bad decision by Mr. Wayne. But it was on this day again in 1977 that Apple would be incorporated. Apple today, if you look at its value and what it's done across the world, it's got a revenue of roughly $383 billion a year. That ain't bad, y'all. And what it's done out of Cupertino, California. And if you've got the Apple phones, the Apple watches, the Apple computers, it is a force to be reckoned with worldwide. Apple celebrating its incorporation today. Now some sports figures of note with birthdays on this day. Cliff Melton was born on this day in Brevard, North Carolina. Cliff Melton was a baseball left-handed pitcher as he played for the New York Giants of baseball back some years ago. I don't know if I remember seeing him play. <laughs> no, he, he didn't. He played in the 1930s up until World War II. He played for the New York Giants and was quite a baseball player for the Giants. He had the nickname Mickey Mouse and Mountain Music. Baseball pitcher of the late 30s. And he was on the mound for the first time that two brothers hit back-to-back home runs in Major League history. The batters were Lloyd Wainer and Paul Wainer. They played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And Mr. Melton had the unfortunate note of pitching back-to-back home runs to a pair of brothers who were suiting up for the the Pirates there in the uh, late 1930s. Cliff Melton, birthday today. Also today, another baseball star, Sid Hudson, a pitcher for the Washington Senators and the Boston Red Sox. He was born in Coalfield, Tennessee, on this day in 1915. Coalfield 
is located in Morgan County near Knoxville. And that's where his hometown is in East Tennessee. Playing baseball again for the Red Sox was one of the teams he played for, as well as the Washington Senators of the American League, the old Washington Senators, which ultimately would move to Minneapolis and become the Minnesota Twins. This Tennessean was a two-time Major League All-Star in 1941 and 42. He died in 2008. Sid Hudson, born on this day in history, back in 1915. Today is also the birthday of a golfer of yesteryear, Fred Haas. Fred Haas was born January 3rd, 1916 in Portland, Arkansas. And Mr. Haas, who died in 2004, had quite a career on the PGA Tour. He won the Memphis Invitational as an amateur, and he broke Byron Nelson's record streak of 11 straight victories. (laughs) That ain't bad. Uh, He died in Louisiana at the age of 88, but his wins on the PGA Tour were at Memphis. He won at Portland, the Miami Open, and, and other tournaments along the way. A very good golfer in his day back in the 40s and 50s. Golfer Fred Haas, born on this day in 1916. Today, for Tennessee Titans and Houston Oilers fans, The birthday of the founder of the franchise, Bud Adams, was born on this day in 1923. Happy what would be his 101st birthday to Mr. Oil Derrick and Mr. Tennessee Titan, who moved the franchise to Nashville in the late 1990s. Mr. Texas Oil Man, Bud Adams, was actually born in Bartlesville, Oklahoma in 1923. And not only was he a Oilers founder, but of course he helped form the American Football League, when it got going in 1960. And Bud Adams, hated by a lot of people in Houston for moving the franchise, but look, he was in a bad spot with the city leaders of Houston, and he did what he had to do to make his investment sound. And moving to Nashville was a smart move by Mr. Adams, and now his daughter is kind of the face of the franchise. A two-time AFL champion as an owner, in 1960 and in 1961, and then the Titans, when they changed their name in 1999 to the Titans, they won the AFC and participated in the Super Bowl. And I don't want to bring that up. That's a bad memory for Titans fans. One yard short in that Super Bowl. But Bud Adams, born on this day in 1923, Mr. Adams died in 2013 at the age of 90. Today also... From a sports standpoint, is the birthday of A.J. Burnett. A.J. Burnett is another baseball great, was a pitcher who played for the Marlins, Blue Jays, Yankees, Pirates, and Phillies. Played a total of 17 seasons. Guy born in North Little Rock, Arkansas, and was picked in the 1985 Major League Draft and got traded to the Marlins after he was drafted. And went on, he was drafted by the Mets, traded to the Marlins, and was a very successful baseball player, an all-star one season. He won a World Series with the Marlins. I think that's right. Could have been the Jays. And was a very good pitcher. Strikeout leader for a while in Major League Baseball. The Arkansan 
A.J. Burnett with stints with the Marlins, Blue Jays, Yankees, Pittsburgh Pirates, Phillies, and back with the Pirates before he wrapped up his career in 2015. A.J. Burnett turning 46 years young today, born in 1977. Today is the birthday of Eli Manning. Elisha Nelson Manning, born on this day in 1981, born in New Orleans to Archie and Olivia, of course, the younger brother of Cooper and Peyton, was a star player for Isidore Newman High School and went straight to Oxford, where he sat out 1999 and barely got to play in 2000, made his big debut in the Music City Bowl against West Virginia on a cold night, and it gave promise to what could be in 2000 one and beyond when he was quarterback in the red and blue. And boy, did he do a good job as a college player for the University of Mississippi. Won SEC Offensive Player of the Year in 2003. Probably should have won the Heisman like his older brother should have won it in 2003. Guided the Johnny Rebs of Ole Miss to the brink of an SEC championship appearance. They blew the game against LSU that would have got them that. But a very good season. Won the Cotton Bowl in Eli's senior year. Eli gets picked number one in the NFL draft of 2004 and goes to the New York Giants after the San Diego Chargers actually picked him. But they did a little trade, some backroom dealing. And what did Eli Manning do in the NFL? I would say he had as good, if not better, career than his brother. He won two Super Bowls. For the same franchise. He won Super Bowl MVP twice. Peyton didn't do that. Peyton, I think, won it once. But that last Super Bowl with the Broncos, somebody else won the MVP. I forgot. I think it might have been a defensive player for them. But the little brother, Peyton, a two-time Super Bowl MVP winner, the ultimate award, by the way. It's one thing to win the NFL MVP award for the season. Your team... Might or might not have had a great year, but you had an individually great year. But when you win Super Bowl MVP, that means your team did well, and in the game that mattered most, the Super Bowl, you were the best player. That is the ultimate goal, and that's what Eli did twice with our New York football giants. And if that's not enough, this four-time Pro Bowl winner or participant was the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year back in 2016. And he's a great football player, no doubt about it. He's a cool customer, Eli Manning. He's also kind of boring. Yeah, and I've been around him a little bit. And he's a boring guy, but you know what? That's refreshing when your older brother is loudmouth Peyton, that Eli's a little bit on the boring side and not necessarily constantly looking for the public spotlight. Eli's perfectly fine being over in the corner and not being seen. Happy birthday, sir, as you turn 42 years young today, Eli Manning. We told you about Nikki Nelson, the lead singer of Highway 101, with a birthday today. Congratulations to her. Today's also the birthday of another singer, Stephen Stills. You might remember him as part of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, as well as in Buffalo, Springfield. Stephen Stills, born in Dallas back in 1945. Happy 78th birthday today to this singer and just a tremendous force there, Crosby, Stills, and Nash when he was part of it. 
a birthday for Stephen Stills today. And then from the entertainment world, i got to give a shout-out to this guy, one of my favorite actors, Dabney Coleman, with a birthday today. Dabney was born in Austin back in 1932. Happy 91st birthday to Mr. Coleman. You remember him from films like 9 to 5, where he played the terrible boss in that 1980 film. He was on in the movie On Golden Pond. He's been in the Beverly Hillbillies movie, You've Got Mail. He was on all kinds of TV shows and more. Just a great character actor, classy guy. And I like Dabney Coleman for no other reason than he is an alumnus of my rival school, Virginia Military Institute. He is a VMI cadet. And after his service, went and after his time in Lexington, Virginia at VMI, he went on and served in the U.S. Army and then got into acting and more. Dabney Coleman, happy 91st birthday to you, sir, this great actor. I wonder if Dolly Parton stays in touch with him. She ought to. He's a, uh, quite, a, quite a talent. And that is a look at various folks with birthdays and some Southern history thrown in for good measure, all right here on the show that shakes it up each and every day that we get together talking about the South. And now that I mentioned Dabney Coleman, I can't get 9 to 5 out of my head. I'm going to have to go watch that movie. I haven't seen that movie since it was in the theaters back in the, I think I just said it, 1980. Let's go to the Y'all Show text line. Got some texts that have come in that I wanted to catch up with before we close out and bring on some comedy in the next segment. Texter here, we were talking earlier about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. making the ballot in Utah for 2024. Texter says, Kennedy is an environmentalist. He is against toxic chemicals in the drinking water. He does not need to be president. He should stop some chemicals being used that are vital. You have to know how to weigh benefits versus toxins on the score sheet. I think he would be clueless. Just take payoff on whatever company offers the most money. You've got to have poisons and toxins just like women need chemicals to smell chemicals for appearance and chemicals to make them think they're happy. I'm I'll let you say that, Texter. But, uh, yeah, Robert F. Kennedy, if you missed the news story, is on the Utah ballot for 2024, the first state to get him on there. Text here talking about Martin Luther today in history, the day that Martin Luther was excommunicated by the Catholic Church. Texter says that Martin Luther thought men should marry women even if they're priests. And then on the other hand, King Henry VIII thought a man would be able to divorce a woman and marry somebody else's 13-year-old, so he broke away from the Catholic Church to form the Church of England. In both cases, a woman had something to do with religion. Today, in both of those cases, men want to have sex with whoever they want. All right. Texter, thank you for that. Again, here on the Y'all Show, we welcome your input. And it's easy to just text us what's on your mind, and we'll relay it the best we can. And that's what this person here has to say about Martin Luther, from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to Martin Luther Talk here on our text line. Thank you very much. We've got some comedy. We need some levity here on the program. We've got some comedy coming your way after this break, as we've got a person who claims to be a clean comedian. 
that's got something that's going to help wrap up this Wednesday Y'all Show. All that here on the show that shakes the Southland, Y'all. Stumble to the kitchen for myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets. The traffic starts jumping with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Working nine to five. What a Yeah, that was the very first eight track I ever went and purchased. The soundtrack for Nine to Five, Dolly Parton here, and we're playing that today in honor of her co-star in that movie Nine to Five, Dabney Coleman, turning ninety-one years old. The original Bad Boss. <laughs> we're back wrapping things up. That's a funny movie, y'all. Nine to Five. If you haven't seen it, do like me and, and try to find it somewhere out there on streaming services and, and check it out. It's a hilarious movie. And great music, too, from Miss Dolly and, and Want to See Dabney. Funny movie. We got a funny comedian to tell you about, Andrew Rivers. He is a guy who bills himself as a clean comedian. You can go check out Andrew Rivers on his website as he has the website, andrewjrivers.com. And as we wrap up this Wednesday Y'all Show, we want to give Mr. Rivers a little a little love here on the Y'all Show and give you a little dose of some of his humor, his, as he calls it, clean humor. And what better way than to find Andrew J. Rivers, comedian, hard at work in Oklahoma. Take it away and make us laugh, Andrew. Thanks for coming out. Oh, man, it's great to be in Oklahoma. I went to school here, actually. University of Phoenix, online. <laughs> <laughs> Played volleyball, obviously. <laughs> I live by a school, and uh, I'm allowed to. And uh, <laughs> it's weird to live by a school because I always see kids in the neighborhood walking home from school by themselves. It's always the loser kids with no friends. I was getting sentimental because that used to be me. I was want to go up to them like, "Hey, I'm you from the future. <laughs> go make some friends." <laughs> This doesn't work out well for us. You know? <laughs> Just yelling at random kids on the street, drop that stupid stick, you're not a wizard. <laughs> Girls aren't going to like you. He's like, those are my crutches. Whatever, loser, get out of my face. <laughs> well, this is going to be a good show. I, uh... I just turned 35, uh, which means I love my parents now. That's new. Uh, it takes a while, you know. 
I guess that's what happens as you get older, you relate to them more. Not that 35 is old, I'm not moving to Florida, but, you know, it, it's different. When I was 20, I was like, I'm invincible, I'll party all night. Now I'm in my 30s, I'm like, I can't leave the house, I had too much dairy. You know what I mean? Like, things change. I used to try to fix stuff. I'd be like, oh, my neck hurts. I'll go to the chiropractor. Now I'm like, ah, I just won't look left. That's fine. <laughs> Funny stuff there from comedian Andrew Rivers. And you can find this on YouTube. Clean Comedy Doesn't Suck from Andrew Rivers. And kudos to the comedians out there who do have their comedy shtick with clean humor. That takes even more skill, in my opinion. And Andrew's doing a good job there. I love the fact that, you know, I went to school in Oklahoma, University of Phoenix Online. That that got me chuckling a lot for all of our UP alumni. I'm not even sure that place is still in business. I know they've had some issues. But Andrew Rivers is the comedian. Check him out. That wraps up our Southern Humor Spotlight of the Week. That wraps up this final hour of our Wednesday Y'all program. We'll be back here on Thursday. Kiefer is going to come on. Kicking it with Kiefer, we'll talk about college football, the two teams playing for the national championship on Monday, Washington and Michigan. Where do we go from here for a Southern football perspective? That will be Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your Wednesday from all of us at the Y'all Show.